Praise the Lord. What an awesome time we've had thus far in the service. The subject for today is going to be counterfeit Christianity. Do you know the real Jesus? I'm going to open up in prayer because I believe without God's blessing, we are lost. I'm just a person speaking. I'm just somebody to fill a speaking engagement. But I believe that it's more than that this morning. I believe God wants to visit with us. I believe God wants to speak to us. I believe God can take somebody like me who is weak, somebody who don't have elegant words. I don't have the words that somebody like Michael has, this awesome, uh, awesome speaker, somebody like Pastor Don who just speaks and you just it grabs your attention. But through my weakness, I believe God can get the glory. Can you say amen? So let's ask his blessing as we open up this service and start getting into his scripture, diving in, digging in, seeing what he has for us today. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning once again thanking you, Lord. How wonderful you are, God. How blessed we are to be your people. To be, we're honored to be able to hear your word and know it's the truth. Know that it can change our lives. Know that you can bring us to that place that's closer to you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, right now for each and every person that's here. Understand, God, that each person has their own struggles, their own issues, their own problems. But I thank you, God, that you have the solution. Thank you that you gave us Jesus. I pray, God, that you unbind my, my tongue, Lord, that I may speak clearly with understanding, Lord. I pray, God, that it would be simple enough that a child could understand. Father, I thank you, God, that your blessings are on this service. You've already blessed us thus far. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do for us in Christ's name. And amen. If you have something valuable or if you ever have had something valuable, there is most likely a counterfeit to that that you have. We um, went on vacation to, uh, when my daughter graduated high school. We went to, uh, on a cruise to Mexico. And we got off the boat and or the ship and walked down and people started in the little area where the shops were started trying to get our attention cheap sunglasses cheap sunglasses you ever had heard of oakley's oakley sunglasses they're a hundred and some dollar sunglasses believe it or not when i was 18 i got my first tax return and i bought some oakley sunglasses i just i was hot stuff i didn't have much of anything else i had a, a vehicle that wouldn't run i I, I couldn't hardly uh, eat, but I had some Oakley sunglasses. <laughs> and we got there to the island and got off, and they asked us to come in and look. And I said, how much are the sunglasses? One dollar. I said, these are Oakleys? Said, my, my daughter was actually the one that asked. She said, are they real? They said, it's almost real. <laughs> They're almost real. So can I tell you what almost real means? Counterfeit. Counterfeit. We're, we're in a society where almost is okay. You don't have to be real. If you're almost there, you're okay. Uh, a lot of us have wives in this place, and your wife might like name brand bags. 
but you can get a counterfeit bag for half the price. Just, just a little piece of advice for you. It's got the same look. It says the same name, but it doesn't cost as much. But you know what? It's not the real thing. Coca-Cola had this thing. They were the real thing, baby. You, do you remember that? Then they come out with Coke Classic, Coke Zero, Coke this and that and another. Can I tell you, it's a counterfeit if you have to have Coke Classic. It's, it's not genuine if it's not the original. Are you with me? Amen. Can I tell you, if, it's, if, you, if there's something of value, you, there's going to be a counterfeit. I want you, if you will, to turn with me to Matthew 13 and 24. In this scripture, it's an account of the wheat and the tare. I want you to bear with me as I read God's word. We have a few scriptures to read and to look at together. Can I tell you, my words are empty if it's not grounded in the word. That is what I turn back to is the word, the scriptures. My opinion is fine. Everybody has an opinion. But I'm not worried so much about my opinion, where I stand. But where does God stand? The Bible says in Matthew 13 and 24, another parable put he forth, this is in the King James, unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man and, and such seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemies came in and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the house, householder, came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? This gives the first account of where counterfeit, counterfeit Christianity comes from. Where we actually get the, the tares. He said unto him, to them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares... Uh, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of harvest, I will say to the reaper, gather you together first the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. Can I tell you that wheat and tare look identical? They have the same look, the same shape, uh, if you're not a farmer or you don't know how to dig in and see what is, is uh, wheat, you wouldn't be able to tell one from the other. And a lot of times what we're seeing today is people look like Christians, people sound like Christians, people act like Christians, they may even pray like Christians. But when it comes to the brass tacks, when it comes to, down to the nitty-gritty, we find that their substance is not there. It's like the tear. When you, when, you, when you see it produced, it produces nothing, nothing of value. You can't use it. It's a weed. And I'm, I'm afraid that the world we're living in today, we're seeing a lot of tears in the church. 
A lot of people who like the, the lights and the, the screens, the music. They like the, the ritual of church. They like to bring their family, like I did when I first started going to church, to a place that's a, a nice place to gather. Can I tell you, that's not enough. That's not enough. It's not enough to be a part of a church. It's not enough to be a member of a church. It's not enough for your parents to have been Christians and tithe. It's not enough for you to tithe. It's not enough for you to be faithful to the house. All those are good things, needed things, but those things alone will not save you. I, I, I preached uh, a message last year, and, and it was a tough message. But I, this is where I'm coming from. Let me tell you my heart. I believe time is short. I want you to feel good. I want you to feel confident in, in your relationship with God. I don't want you to have a false sense of security, thinking you're okay, and when the harvest comes, you're a tear. What I'm saying and, and what I think the scriptures show us and what we're going to find out to this morning is that God has made a way that we don't have to settle for a counterfeit. God, oh, sweet Jesus, help me. God is not holding back the good things from us. He has made them available to us. I believe that when Jesus told this parable, he was uh, very serious about what he was saying. He was saying there's many Christians that are going to find themselves to be lost, who have grown up around people who are Christians, who have mimicked other people. Can I tell you, we should never mimic a person. We should never mimic ourselves after a person. I should never look at you and say, I want to be like you. I want to be like Jesus. I, I, I can't model myself after a uh, something that is flawed because this is the truth. We're human. And though Christ lives within you, you could slip. And while you're slipping, if I'm modeling myself after you while you're slipping, that's what I'll model myself after. But there's one that doesn't slip. There's one that is, is, is like a rock. There's one that I can build my life upon and not worry about where I am. If I trust in God and I don't trust in man, I won't be disappointed. If I trust in God and I don't trust in a politician, I won't be disappointed. If I trust in God and I don't trust in uh, uh, what tomorrow is going to bring, because tomorrow may bring something that I can't handle on my own. I'm not trusting in tomorrow. I'm not trusting in what I have. I'm trusting in who I know. His name is Jesus. I want you to know him. He wants you to know him. God is working in this place. You say, Brother Todd, what are you, what are you preaching about here? Let me just share with you something. And this, this statistic was something I just found. I, I, I remember looking at the statistics a while back, and it says 71% of Americans claim to be Christians. There is a new statistic out, and I don't know if it's accurate, but it says 83%. seems high. But let's just say 83%, which is over 264 billion people in America claim to know Jesus. If 264 billion know Jesus, there's something wrong with this equation. If the majority, even if it's 51% of America claims to know Jesus, the America wouldn't be in the shape during the day. Durham wouldn't be in the shape there that Durham's in today 
if more people knew the real Jesus. If people hadn't tried to listen to their mother say amen and, and follow their mother's prayer and get into the word and see what God says about it. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't believe in God because my mama believes in God and she does. She's, a, she's a, a strong Christian. I don't believe in God because my former pastor, Pastor Don Watford, believes, believed in God and believed in him strong to the time he died. That's not why I believe in God. I believe in God because it's a personal relationship. That day I sat in the church when I was there with my daughter and my wife, when it was just us and my infant child. And I was in the church not because I wanted to be there. I was there because I knew it was the right thing as a father to have my child in a a good, uh, wholesome place. Something happened that I wasn't expecting. The preacher said by God what I needed to hear at that time, and my heart was changed forever. Can I tell you, my life was changed. I didn't model it off of what somebody said. I read it for myself. There's a lot of things that people say today that are not in the word of God. You need to get in the word for yourself. Know him for yourself. Don't hear what somebody else says. We got an awesome man of God in Pastor Don. I love Pastor Don. He's full of knowledge. He is, he is one of the most constant and consistent people I know. He's been here forever, longer than I've been alive. A godly man. But you know who I'm, you know I'm going to trust in? Jesus. He's trusting in the same one. And he'd tell me, he'd tell you that. Trust in Jesus. As I look and see how the world has gone, and I'm, I'm a young man, I'm, I'm 37. I've been married for 19 years, will be 20 Tuesday to a beautiful woman. She set the standard for every other woman. She set the standard. There's no way any other woman can meet her standard in my eyes. God gave me one woman, and that was Jamie. I'm not looking for any. I'm off the market. Some of you say, it don't matter if you were. I'm not looking. <laughs> Jamie is, is the standard for my wife. She is who I am. And, and husbands that are truly husbands to their wives know what I'm saying. I love my wife. 20 years. Can I tell you, when, when we first got married, I remember there was a show, and it, it still is on. It's, uh, it was a rerun then. Andy Griffin show. You have the... A uh, little boy whistling with a with a fishing pole, and the sheriff with one bullet, and the town drunk that locks itself in the in the jail when he when he gets drunk to sober up, and it seemed like a perfect world. the The crooks that come into town look like me, dressed up in suits, look better than some of the the people we look up to today. And this was what they seen as the way the world was. That's their interpretation of what the world was. Can I tell you, I'm not saying we were there back in that day, but we were a lot closer to that then than we are now. Video games when I was growing up, um, and some of you are going to remember Atari, but I I played Atari when it was old, so it wasn't new to me, but I played what was called Super Mario Brothers. The most violent thing that happened in Super Mario Brothers is a, a turtle shell would hit the little man and he would fall off the screen but he would come right back I I like Mario Brothers my son has a game or had a game a while back Uh, we got it for him for Christmas I should have checked and this is a a warning to parents I was watching him play the game and it was a person pulling another person out of a car and beating them up it was a person shooting at the police and running from the police. Where have we gone? 
How did we get so far away from where we were to where we are? And I can tell you, it's because the evil of the world is never going to get better. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. If you want some statistics, if you're a person that likes numbers or show me where you're coming from, I'm going to give you some, some background on where I'm coming from. In this world, the actual United States, the pornography industry every year racks in billions of dollars. Billions. Gambling, hundreds of billions of dollars. Alcohol sales, hundreds of billions of dollars. Abortion, along, along the span of time from what I've seen in research, over 52 million children have been aborted. Divorce rate is at 40 to 50% in America. Addiction, what I could find on the statistics, back in 2010, 3,800 people lost their life to some form of addiction. This is the America we're in. A lot of us are shielded from that. A lot of us, that doesn't touch us, but it's still reality. And how does that affect us? Okay, my, my family's not going through these things. How does that affect me? Why, why would I care about this? Can I tell you, it's not just about what affects me and my family. It's the example that we as Christians show this world. Can I tell you, there's people that you affect every single day and never know it. If you have a bumper sticker like I have that says Bethel, and somebody's riding behind you, your attitude when they come around you is seen. They see that Christian sticker or cross around your neck, and you're representing the God that you say you represent. Understand this. You're an ambassador for Christ. If you're not representing him in the right way, you're representing him in the wrong way. One way or the other, you're representing Christ. I looked at some other things, and we're going to get into the, some more scriptures, but where we are as the world and counterfeit, how, how things have been counterfeited. The church has been counterfeited. There are songs out right now that have counterfeited the things that we know and are familiar with. Let me tell you this, just because somebody says holy, hallelujah, amen, church, doesn't mean it's affiliated with God. There are songs out right now, and I'm going to give you a couple. Some of you won't know this, know these, but uh, some people in here will. There's a song that says, take me to church. That can't be a bad song. Take me to church, that's good. I want somebody to take me to church. Y'all take me to church. That's not what it's talking about. What it's saying is, this is what the song says. We were born sick. I don't disagree with that. I I was born flawed, sin sick. I needed a savior. It's not what he's talking about. He said, the only heaven I will be sent to is when I'm with you. He's talking about a worldly relationship with another person. That's the only heaven they can ever hope for. The only heaven I know is when I'm with Jesus. When the Holy Spirit comes and envelops me. And I feel like heaven has just come down. That's the heaven I know, not the heaven he's singing about. It's in the song, it says, I worship like a dog. 
I'll tell you my sin so you can sharpen your knife. Things like this. It has key words, but have nothing to do with the house of God. And then there's another song that says, My Church. This young lady says that her preacher is Hank Williams Jr. Her music leader is Johnny Cash. Talks about holy redemption. But her holy redemption is riding down a road with the windows down listening to the radio. Soul revival. Her soul is revived by listening to country music. Sins all washed away. And by the way she was talking about is because she's listening to country music. What a world we're living in. Where you can duplicate and try to copy what God has done. And turn it around for your own benefit and your own glory. It's another song. And I've got two more and I'll, I'll move on. Holy. H-O-L-Y. But they take the holy and turn it into high on loving you. Can I tell you that's a disgrace? Christians should be offended with this world where everybody's offended about everything. You can't say anything without offending somebody. But Christians can't be offended. Well, I'm telling you, I'm offended. In a song that says, you broke through and saved me. You are holy. You're the first thing I can believe in. Sad. It's sad. When all we have in this world is a duplicate of what the real thing is. Why do you think people get happy when they sing that song? Because there's something in them that was given to them, a portion of faith. They hear these little key words and it, and it tickles their ears. But then the world transforms and turns that into something that God has not designed it to be. There's another song that said, I kissed a girl. That, that song has 102 million, million views. I kissed a girl, and it's, a girl sings it. I guess I, I needed to say that because some of you are like, okay. I, I kissed a girl too. <laughs> but this is from another girl. So you can see. The, let me just say this, and I'll get into the scripture. This is what's sad, and I want you to really key into this because God just dropped this in my spirit. The world is trying to erase Christ from the map. The only thing that's ever brought peace to this world is Christ, and they're trying to do away with him. Why is that? Christ reminds us that there's a standard. There's a standard of living. There's a right way. There's a righteous way. There's a holy way. I want you to think about that. Think about how Christmas is, Christ's mass. What have they taken out of that? Christ. To hear somebody say Christmas now, it's appropriate to say Xmas. What is the X? X is crossing out what? The reason why we're having the season. Christ. Take it out. Just Xmas. That's what I want it to be. Just cross out Christ. It's a sad time in America. On TV now, you can hear God's name taken in vain and it's acceptable on regular TV. I'm not talking about a paid version of TV. I'm talking about regular TV. They'll cuss and say God's name, take his name in vain. Can I tell you, that's not acceptable. The church should be outraged, but we sit back. Silent. When the church should stand up, we should stand up. And I don't mean war. I mean, let your voice be heard. We, not you, 
Not I. We as a body. We have bought into this counterfeit Christianity because it feels good. Because it fits in good with our life. I don't need God to fit into my life. I need to fit into God. Come on, somebody. I need to, for him to envelop me. I need him to replace that which is inside of me. That will that I find in Romans 7. I don't have the scripture, but I'll just say it briefly. When he said the things that I would do, I don't do. I know what's right, but I don't do those things. And the things that I know are wrong, those are the things I do. What is he talking about? He's talking about the flesh. He's talking about that thing that is my center. You ever heard self-centered? When, when I think about that, I think about what is my will? What do I want to do? What pleases me? I'll show you a quick illustration. We're going to get into some more scriptures. When we talk about will, it's, it's hard to visualize. It's hard to, to see what that is. This is how the Lord showed me, and this is how I'd like to illustrate it. In my heart, I have, um, I have a wheel. And this is perfect. I, I guarantee you I didn't bring it. I'll just tell you. I have a wheel. My wheel is this. If you ask somebody who is self-centered about themselves, they're going to say, I'm great. I'm good at this. I can do this. And on and on and on and on and on. They're going to continue to talk about themselves. It's all about me. They don't, they don't say anything about God. They don't say anything about others. They might say something about their, their loved ones. But when they say something about their loved ones, it's going to be all about how it affects me. And what I had was a piece of paper. And I, and I, and I wrote all these things down. And as you opened it up, it really showed what the innermost thing was that that was coming from, which is pride. I'm proud of me. I'm proud of my accomplishment. Look at what I've done. The other way is what Christ has done when he came and died for the church, when he came and died for you and I. When, now when you ask me about me, I tell you about a life that is changed, a life that is on a different road, a life that has been directed a life that is called aside, pulled aside, not part of the group, not part of the clique. I've been pulled aside for God's use. And when you open up that letter or that, that card, it says Jesus. If Jesus is not at the root of who we are, we need a check up. We need a check in. I know it's not a shout message and that's okay. God knows what we need this morning. I thank him because he is good. So when you ask yourself, how can I determine if I'm a Christian? If you ask yourself how good you are, how much you've done, look at how many times I've been at church. I've been at church and haven't missed a service in two years, in 10 years, in 20 years. If what you're looking at is how much you have accomplished, you need to check up. Because salvation has nothing to do with works, but has all to do with the gift that God has given through Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. You accept that gift, and when you accept that gift, it's not that you take on that gift and you just carry it around, and when I need Jesus, I'll call on him. I'm going to live my life like I always have lived it. But if I need him, I'll call on him. No, 
That's not what, it, what he's saying. He's saying, you have taken, you've made a choice to go away from your will and accept mine. Jesus is the answer for our salvation. The point is, do not do, but be. Don't be a doer, but be somebody who is. The Bible actually says, don't be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. So that's important. But understand that you can't just do your way into heaven. If you haven't changed your will by accepting Christ, heaven will never be your home. Can't do enough to earn salvation. Now we get to the real thing, Isaiah 46 and 6. The Bible says, if you'll turn there with me. But we are all as unclean things, and as our, our, our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as the leaf, and our iniquity, like the wind, have taken us away. I want to speak to this scripture because this speaks of everyone here. If you've never asked for forgiveness for your sin, if you just came and joined a church or whatever, I don't know if that's even something that people do, but I, I feared that um, the way I've seen in, in my own personal life, that a lot of people say that I'm a Christian, but they don't, they don't, um, they don't show Christ. And I, I know from my own self, because there was times when, I said I was a Christian, and I was, I was walking the walk when my daughter was young, and I was coming to church, and I was dressed up, and I was, was doing what I thought I was supposed to, but I was as lost as anybody ever has been. It, was, it took that conviction of the Holy Spirit to draw me. And without Christ now, let me, let me say this, let me make this point. A lot of people feel self-righteous. Now I have Christ I've arrived. Without Christ, your righteousness is as filthy rags before God. You can never be good enough. You could be the best moral person on the planet and it still falls short of what God's expectation is. It's Christ that makes us righteous. It's not ourselves. My righteousness is Christ. Make that clear. My righteousness is Christ. It's not my own. I haven't done anything worthy to be uh, uh, awarded. It's Christ. I have nothing that should be uh, uh, looked at me for accomplishing. If anything good has happened spiritually, it's been because of Christ. If you get anything from this message, it's because of Christ. It's not because of me, but it's because of Christ. It's because he's in my life. It's because when he speaks, I listen. It's not because I have come up with something. I have a, a great mind, a, a, a creative mind. It's because God is orchestrating this. It's because his spirit is here. If anything good comes out of this service, it's because he did it, not me. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, though the grace given unto me, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt every man a measure of faith. I want to speak to this and say this. Life is not about what I want. It's not about what I can get. It's not about what I have planned. The Bible says in Romans, what I just read, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, which means I take away what my desires are. I I give up what I want to do. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've never had a desire to do wrong because I do. But I thank God that that desire comes and it goes. It don't stay and and simmer inside of me. I, I rebuke and reject anything that's not of God. Can you say amen? When, when, when we start focusing on God, when we start getting connected with God, things start sorting out. Our marriage starts sorting out. The times I've had issues in my marriage were because I got in the flesh, because I did what I wanted to do. When we center God in our life, when we make God the most important thing in our life, things sort out. I'm not going to tell you everything's going to be easy because it's not. That's not reality. Bad things come. But we look all through the Bible. When bad things come, God is there with you. He promises never to leave you or forsake you. You know that if you're going through it, you've got somebody with you. I'm, I, I may stand alone on my issues that I, that, I, that I state when I say things like doing the right thing is, is important even if everybody sits down on you, if you're the only one standing. I teach my kids that. Don't look and see who's supporting you. If it's the right thing, do it. If, it's, if God says do it, do it. If it's the correct thing, do it. Galatians 2 and 20 talks about what we're supposed to do. And this comes back to the counterfeit Christianity. I, I, I fear a lot of times this hasn't taken place in a lot of lives. The Bible says I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live, listen to this. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not living in myself no more. My, my desires are not my own. My, my desire now is for the lost. My desire now is for pleasing God. Can I tell you, I, I, have, I have traded in those desires that I had in the flesh, and, I, and I, they were replaced with God, God's desires for me. Now the desires I have now are surrounded by God, directed by God, led by God. That's where we need to be as a church, as a people, as a body. Matthew 10 and 38 said, And he that taketh not his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's pretty hard. I know that's not easy. That's, that's tough. Jesus is saying, if you have made up your mind to go your own way, you'll be left to your own by yourself. If you choose me and go my way, I will be with you. I'll walk with you. I'll lead you. I'll direct you. Romans 12 and 19 says, Dearly beloved, and this talks about the changed heart. 
If God truly has changed me, if I'm changed in the, on the inside, my heart, avenge not yourself, but rather give place in the wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. The Bible talks about uh, many places where it says that you shouldn't repay evil with evil, but evil with good. The Bible teaches us that what we've been taught as kids, my daddy said if somebody hit me, I should hit them back. No matter if they're running from me, if they hit me run, I'm chasing them down. Because my daddy said hit them back. You can run, but I'll catch you. Because my daddy said hit you back. But, and this is, that's simple. That's real simple. In today's world, it's a lot bigger. Somebody does you wrong in business. Your, your spouse leaves you. Your kid gets hurt. These are real issues. Things that happen. And it's, it's easy to preach about them. And it's tough to, to follow through sometimes. But there's a God inside of me that the Bible tells me and teaches me. That greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That I'm not led by what the world says is possible. Just because my daddy said hit him back don't mean I should. Do I let somebody pound on me or, or hurt my family? Absolutely not. It's, it's two different things. But what I can tell you is that something's changed inside of me. I'm not the same person. I don't have the same desires. God has changed me. And, and do I have room for improvement? Most definitely, absolutely. Have I arrived? No, not, not at all. But the times that I fall, it's not because God wasn't strong enough, but it's because I have gotten out of his will. I believe we have to pray. We have to study his word. We have to, to uh, search, his, search the scriptures, know the word for ourselves. These are important. So many, so many people today have bought into Christianity for something that God did not intend it to be. He did intend it for, for us to change and to be a new creature. The Bible says in Matthew 22 and 36, Master, which is the great commandment in the law, Jesus said unto him that thou love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it, uh, likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. God is saying, love the Lord thy God with all their heart, with their soul, and with their mind. He's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty stout. That's not, that's not light stuff. When you say love your neighbor, it means putting yourself aside for somebody else. Jesus went to a cross that was not his to bear. It was his to bear only because Jesus came because God sent him. But he did no wrong. He did no sin. He didn't do anything to deserve the cross. But because he loved us, he, he bore the cross. The one that knew no sin became sin for us. That we might go free. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That when I was bound in my sin... I think about Lazarus, and i got to hurry. Lazarus was in the tomb. He had died. Jesus came to the tomb, and he told him, Lazarus, come forth. And he, he was revived. He had been dead, wrapped up in the grave cloth. Jesus told the people to loose him and let him go. How many of you would follow me in this, this illustration that I'm about to give you and just 
for a minute go with me. What if that were you? What if that were you? If you're saved, you were there one day. I was spiritually dead. I was wrapped up. Jesus called me out. And I accepted that call. What would happen if the grave clothes were unwrapped? And I was loosed and free. And I just go on back in the tomb and lay back down. Unfortunately, I think that's where we are sometimes. That we have been freed and God freed us for a purpose and a reason. It wasn't to go lay in the tomb. It wasn't to stay where we were. But he's called us out for his glory. For his purpose. We have been revived for a reason. We have been revived for his use, for his glory. Can I tell you, I love the Lord. And I'm humbled that he would use somebody like me to even witness to somebody. I'm not saying in this, in, on, on a stage like this in front of a congregation. I'm talking about one-on-one with a friend that's hurting. I, I, I've had it happen time and time again. They come and say, I don't know what to do. And I can present the gospel. Can I tell you, that's, that's humbling to me. To know that I know Christ and I can share him. How would it be if I, I know Christ and hold it to myself? Hold him close to myself and not share him with anyone. That's not what God has called us to do. God has called us to share the good news. And I'm going to read this last scripture and I have a story. Matthew 24 and 7. 7 through 14. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdoms. There shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Then shall they deliver you to be afflicted and shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I want to turn your attention to the fact that in this scripture, It speaks a lot about what we're going through today. We're we're going through this scripture right now, today. We're facing this today. Understand that uh, uh, there's many false teachers who say they're of Christ and know nothing about Christ. They stand up in a pulpit and they preach about a, a God that is a counterfeit, that has no power. I serve a powerful God. I serve a God that still heals. I serve a God that still saves. I serve a God that can take a a person who's addicted to drugs and crush those, those bonds. Who can deliver them? I've seen it. I'm not talking about something I haven't seen. I've seen it myself. I've seen a drug addiction broke 
And the, the woman is still serving God today. That's real life. I'm not, I'm not preaching about something somebody told me. I'm preaching about what I've seen. I've seen the power of God. I, I'm not going to serve a false God. I know the real God. If I know the real God, why would I serve a false God? Come on, somebody. The Bible says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. What God wants this morning is for you to have a relationship with Jesus. Not one that you've heard about. Not one that you've seen somebody else have. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him. And you feel that conviction right now and you don't know what it is. Is God convicting your heart and saying you need a change. I don't care who you are, from where you're from, what race, what, what religion you did have. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is here. He wants that relationship. I want to read a, a short story and we're going, we're going to change order of service. This is called the Pearl Necklace Spiritual Story. The cheerful girl with bouncy golden curls was about five. Waiting with her mother at the checkout stand, she saw them. A circle of glittering white pearls in a pink full box. Oh, please, Mama, can I please have them? Please, Mommy, please. Quickly, the mother checked the back of the little full box and then looked back into the pleading blue eyes of her little girl's upturned face. A dollar ninety-five. That's almost two dollars. If you really want them, I'll think of some extra core uh, chores you can do to save enough money so you can buy them for yourself. Your birthday's only a week away, and you might get another crisp dollar bill from Grandma. As soon as Jenny got home, she emptied her penny bank and counted seventeen pennies. After dinner, she did more than her share of chores. And she went to the neighbor and asked Miss McJames if she could pick up uh, pick dandelions for ten cents. On her birthday, Grandma did give her another new dollar bill, and finally she had enough to buy that necklace. Jenny loved her pearls; they made her feel dressed up and grown up. She wore them everywhere: Sunday school, kindergarten, even to bed. The only time she took them off was when she was. She went swimming or had a, a bubble bath. Mother said if she, she got them wet, they'd turn her neck green. Jenny had a very loving father, and every night when she was ready for bed, getting ready for bed, he would stop whatever he was doing and come upstairs to read a story. One night when he was finished the story, he had finished the story, he asked Jenny, do you love me? Oh, yes, Daddy, you know I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. But you can have Princess, the white horse from my collection. The one with the pink tail. Remember, Daddy? The one you gave me, she's my favorite. That's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. Good night. And he brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later... After the story time, Jenny's daddy asked again, do you love me? Daddy, you know I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, daddy, not my pearls. But you can have my baby doll, the brand new one I got for my birthday. 
She's so beautiful. You can even have the yellow blanket that matches her sleeper. That's okay. Sleep well. God bless, little one. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed her cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later, when her dad came in, Jenny was sitting on her bed with her legs crossed Indian style. As he came close, he noticed her chin was trembling and one silent tear rolled down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything but lifted her little head up to her daddy. And when she opened it, her her little hand up to her daddy, when she had opened it, there was her little pearl necklace. With a little quiver, she finally said, Here, daddy, it's for you. With, With tears gathering in his open eyes, Jenny's kind daddy reached out with one hand to take the dime store necklace. And with the other hand, he reached into his pocket and poured out a blue velvet case with a strand of genuine pearls and gave them to Jenny. He had them all the time, the whole time. He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so he could give her genuine treasure. Can I tell you that's what God wants from us today? We sell out for things that have no value. We, we, sometimes we, we have a form of godliness, godliness, but we're denying the power that he offers. Can I tell you today, you have a choice. I don't, I don't say this to scare you, but it's the truth. I can't tell you what tomorrow is going to bring. This could be your very last service. This could be your very last opportunity to know the Lord. We're going to switch gears here, but I want you to stay in the mindset of worship. As the ushers come and get into place, we're going to receive communion. if the praise team will come as well. Would you, would you bow your head as we pray? Father, we thank you for this day. Once again, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, that everything that you are is what we need. We need nothing more. We thank you for this time of communion that we're going to partake in, Lord. Realize and recognize that it's about remembrance of you, Lord, and what you've done and in saving us and your body as it was broken and your blood was shed for us, Lord. We thank you for all these things and thank you, Lord, as, as we continue. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that does not know you, that they would make their decision today to follow you. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we glorify you for us in Christ's name. Amen.